Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have Karen and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi Joyce, hi everybody. My name is Karen Calder. Um, Joyce, we were talking before about how many psychometric uh, tests I have I have gone through. So I'm just gonna show everybody. <laughs> that's, the, that's the history of my psychometric testing. So I have 30 years of, of corporate experience. I've worked for Fortune 1 um, and Fortune 500 companies, um, used uh, psychometric testing uh, extensively in the organization, all the way from determining, you know, who's appropriate for the role, getting hired, development, um, all the way through to talent management. So I'm happy to be here today. Happy to have you. It's a true honor. <laughs> Karen is a very, a very vibrant person. She really knows how to draw people in just by her very presence in a room. So thank you for, for bringing yourself here. My pleasure. <laughs> and so I'd like to ask you a bit about your opinion on psychometrics, some of your favorite or anything you'd like to say about them. Yeah, some of my favorites. Well, you know, one of my favorite is, and I think it's a favorite of yours, is I've been using MBTI for a long time. Um, I use it as part of team building and helping people understand our similarities and our differences and how can we work better to, you know, together. Um, there's some other really good um, tests out there as well um, to, uh, to use caliper assessment when you're uh, trying to make a decision about who to hire. And um, yeah, other than that, I don't have a favorite, obviously. You can see how many there, uh, there are here. Yeah, I, I love your, your pile. <laughs> like that, that, that pile, Joyce, like, oh, like that is a 30 year career of going through and having uh, tests done. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it weighs as much as uh, my pet dog probably does. <laughs> I don't know how big your dog is, it's, but it's about five pounds. So, yeah, you know, I think the interesting thing is that it hasn't changed. Yeah, that's really great. And mm -hmm. so I'm wondering, what are some pros of psychometrics, would you say? I think it creates awareness about who you are and your strengths and areas for, and, you know, for development. Equally, it helps you understand that others, you know, have can have different perspectives on the world just based on, on their preferences as, as well. Um, I think as long as you don't go around labeling yourself and labeling others, uh, it can be a, a really good, um, you know, development tool uh, for your, you know, for yourself. Um, again, I use it mostly for awareness, really to help me understand myself, how am I showing up, how might I be impacting others. I think also, you know, if you want to influence others, you have to adjust and change to their style. Mm -hmm. So having that awareness of, you know, your style may not be the right way, may not be the way that that helps other understand what, what it is that you're saying. And so then changing so that whether it be, whether it be, you know, I, I like ideas. Not everybody loves ideas. Some people like actually concrete you know, step-by-step, step, you know, an action plan. So, so just making those adjustments, I guess. Really excellent information, Karen. What are some good uses of psychometrics and what are some ways that psychometrics shouldn't be used in the workplace? 
I think that, let me start with what shouldn't be used, okay? Um, so only using psychometrics to make a hiring decision is not the right, I, I don't think it's the right use of it. So you wanna use a psychometric test with other data points when you're making a hiring decision. Those other data points are the interview itself, the resume and experience of the individual, um, the, um, you know, the references that you get, but it does, but it does kind of help you uh, determine whether or not that person is a right fit for, for the role pre, pre-hire. And then what might be some of the things that you need to watch watch out for post hire, given the culture uh, that you that you have. Um, I think it's great in leadership development. There are a lot of really great um, tools out there. Hogan, uh, Berkman, um, I love 360s, a number of 360, um, you know, survey survey tools out there um, that are really helpful when they are aligned to the corporations model for for leadership and their values and it can help somebody understand all right so this is who i am this is where the organization is here's the gap you know what do i you know for me to be effective inside this organization with the culture that it has what might i need to do to adjust and um you know dial up or dial down i love my dial up dial down uh behaviors um so it doesn't, you, you know, you're not making anybody right and you're not making anybody wrong. It's not about a judgment. It's truly just about learning, uh, you know, creating awareness about yourself, how you're showing up. You as a leader, um, I, I love it when I'm working with teams and especially new teams. And so if you have a lot of new players on a, or a new leader on a, on a team, um, you, I, I love using MBTI for that to help people understand um, how, how we're all different, you know, so extroverted versus introverted. So we're at a meeting. What are the implications of extroversion and introversion? Right. So, um, you know, boiling it down to some simple if, if, you know, if you want your introverted individuals to show up at meetings talking and being engaging with ideas, then you have to send the agenda out ahead of time, giving them the, the opportunity to think through, through some things, right? And um, if you don't do that, then you just have to allow for time afterwards for, 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 some, in, for some introverted processing to go on and for them to come back and uh, maybe have some ideas for you, for you later on. Um, I think it helps in problem solving. So, so when you're going through change management, um, you want to take a look at, you know, thinking side, which is, you know, what are like, so if I'm doing an org change or if I'm changing, let, let's pretending we're moving an office. Right. And, um, you know, there's, there's logistics that you have to, you know, think through and you have to tap into to the T on the, on the thinking side. Um, but then there's the F side. So this is now about how are the people going to feel? Um, as you're going, as you're going through the change, and have you taken everybody's needs into consideration uh, to accommodate if you have somebody with, a, you know, a physical disability or something like that? So. Yeah, that that is that is very true. 
Um, to go back to the point about introversion and extroversion, so my audience is really nerdy with the Myers-Briggs. So all introverts, they lead with an introverted function and all extroverts, they lead with extroverted functions. And what this causes is that like introverts, they need to like take in a piece of information and to think about it a bit before responding. And so sending out an agenda beforehand will allow introverts to think before right. before giving their take. Whereas extroverts, they normally think the best when they just jump right in. Yeah. Um, which is, there's a slight difference there, mm-hmm. which is good you know, to know. One, one of the biggest lessons I, I learned about that is, um, so I'm certified in MBTI, but one of the biggest lessons I learned was uh, I did a, a team, what was it, like a simulation, a team simulation. And there was eight of us on the team and only one person was uh, an introvert. Seven of us were extroverts. And even with my awareness of MBTI, this poor person, we hardly let them talk. Anyways, um, we were playing a game and you had to respond to certain questions. And they kept writing down their responses, but they wouldn't say what their responses were, mostly because we wouldn't give them the opportunity to do that. And then in the debrief, we lost. We, we were, our team was like at the very bottom. And the person on our team who was an introvert <laughs> had all of the right answers. And so when we did the debrief about that, our instructor really drilled in, uh, drilled that point into our heads that just because everybody's talking and having an opinion doesn't necessarily make it right. Mm-hmm. And are we including others on our on our team? Or are we just ignoring them because they're quiet? And we, and we are assuming that they don't have anything to say when, when in fact they do. Yeah. And so the Myers-Briggs is great with diversity inclusion too. Like mm-hmm. you, you know that everyone has different strengths and you can include more strengths and encourage and celebrate diversity rather than tolerating or forgetting about it. So yeah, that was a great example, Karen. That actually happened to me once too. We did a simulation in class, a game, and I had the right answer, uh, but I said it very quietly without a lot of conviction. So people thought I wasn't sure of what I was saying when I was really being an introvert who wanted to be polite and to let people make their own decisions. But we ended up picking the wrong decision because everyone went with the loudest voice. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? That, That that's what happens in the group dynamic, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that is so true. So you mentioned the Hogan too, and that's a really interesting personality assessment tool where you can figure out the dark side of people, like yeah. their weaknesses, basically. My personal opinion about the Hogan is that it has a lot of parallels with the Myers-Briggs, and I think that it's possible to draw connections between these two theories. If the Myers-Briggs it typically writes about the strengths of types, the Hogan's, yeah. the, the Hogan normally writes about the dark side but i still think it's in my opinion like the dark side of the myers-briggs types i I feel like a lot of personality assessments they have overlap like the colby 100 percent. yeah yeah so the colby the colby has a color called green and it's an it's a personality assessment and it overlaps a lot with extroverted intuition from the myers-briggs so ne so it's in my opinion that a lot of personality indicators have a lot of overlap and because they're all trying to make sense of a person and, 
and you'll see multiple indicators saying the same thing in slightly different ways. <laughs> yeah, you know, Joyce, you you twig something for me, and that is, you know, like there's like the, all these tools out here. Okay, like I'm 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 pointing to that, uh, you know, again. So what the, what I I draw conclusions from that as a ENFP, and my big NP goes, huh? Wow, that's very fascinating. That you know that we have created, you know, hundreds or 50, I don't know, 50 to 100 tools out there to try to quantify us as human beings, right? Or, you know, kind of explain our, you know, ourselves, which leads me to just wonder, you know, can we ever do that? Like, I think we're so complex. I think we're, I think, I think we are, it, it, you know, we don't even know ourselves. We have this blind, you know, the Jahari window, right? There's things that we know about ourselves. There's things that we reveal to others, things that we don't reveal. <laughs> there's things, there's blind spots. Um, and I think, you know, after, after a 30 year career, um, I, I can definitely pick out some things for sure. Um, but that uh, I, I'd be really curious to go back and kind of cross-reference some of this, some of this material. Yeah, my friend puts it as an exoskeleton. It, it might be a, an, a thematic outline of who you are, but the contents is is the unique experiences that you have gone through and yeah. the unique things that make you up. So yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, the other thing that's really interesting about the Myers-Briggs that I discovered about 10 years ago, and that is I am very extroverted and there are times during the day that I need to shut down. I think a lot of extroverts would relate to that statement. People have this image of extroverts, like they just have endless bouts of energy, but that's not true. A another explanation for that is, so the, the ENFP's form of extroversion is extroverted intuition, which deals with interacting with external ideas. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean interacting with people but it's more about like interacting with stimulating ideas that allow you to think more. And that's what drives your extroversion. So that would also mean that you'd, you'd get drained easily because it's not even people always that give you that boost, but it's the thought, thoughtful ideas that stem more ideas that give you boost. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. How, um, how have you, how have you seen psychometric testing used and what, you know, what questions, do you have about their use in organizations that like specifically, you know, around, I don't know, like, I don't know. Have you seen any misuses of them or? Yes. So I'm also certified in the Myers-Briggs and something they teach us during certification is to not use this tool during hiring or promotions because it's unethical. <laughs> But it is good for, like you said, leadership development, team building, self-awareness, personal growth, and for diversity and inclusion, for including people who are different than you. Uh, a way I see this tool used is to not take anything personally. So it teaches you that when someone irritates you, it's not because they meant to irritate you. It's because it's probably a fundamental personality difference or something like that. For instance, Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking about all the ways they could piss you off. What's more likely is that they accidentally pissed you off because they didn't know that 
they, they're a little different than you. <laughs> I say that line all the time, Joyce, when I'm explaining it to people. Exactly <laughs> that. It's exactly that. Yeah. And so personality assessments help us learn that not nothing is really personal, you know, and it helps you find that inner Zen. At least it helps yeah. with me. And another thing that I find it useful for is there's something called the golden rule and the platinum rule. So with the golden rule, it says treat others the way you would want to be treated. But the platinum rule says treat others the way they would want to be treated. And so personality assessments teach us how other people would like to be treated so we can honor them instead of operate off of our assumptions of how people should be treated. For instance, with the love languages, the five love languages, if, if you're a words of affirmation person, but I'm an acts of service, then what will happen is that I'll, I'll do things for you but then you might not appreciate it as much as me saying kind words to you. And so what personality indicators help us do is they help us learn how to best love and honor other people the way that they would best receive it. Mm. And by the way, I'm not acts of service. I'm actually words of affirmation, guys. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much, Joyce. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Someone has put it like this. It's not what you can or can't do. It's what you will or will not do given an ideal world. And what this says is that like, it, it kind of gets you to know yourself more. It's, it, it's like personality indicators aren't what you're capable of. You, you're capable of everything. Like it doesn't restrict you from anything, but it kind of tells you what your preference is if you are given an ideal circumstance. And so it helps you know a little bit more about you. Yeah. yeah. I use a tool called effective intelligence and it, um, it, it helps people to think about their thinking and understand their thinking preferences. And the, why I like it is that it draws on a, a colored map. So, you know, green thinking is ideas and it's, uh, di you know, con no divergence. So super, super wide. Right. And then you start getting to convergence through data, which is red thinking. And then blue thinking is, okay, I've got all the ideas. I've got the data. Now I'm going to bump it up against uh, criteria in my experience. And then I'm going to make a decision. Right. So big picture, small small decision right um and I, I i like that tool because it's really easy to flex your thinking when you think about it uh in a in a in a different way so that you can hit all of the different thinking preferences when you're making a decision or you're problem solving and you get a better outcome i like that that's fantastic and so you mentioned the color green and how it's divergent thinking that's and that's your color right I'm green. I'm a green thinker. Yeah. And so my Myers-Briggs maps right up against that. That's the yeah. NP in Myers-Briggs, right? Exactly. I'm like, that's exactly how they describe NPs, divergent thinker. And that, see, like different indicators are leading to the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's like, that's why I would love to take this and kind of analyze it and say, although I, th I think at the end of the day, you really do know yourself. I think these tools validate some of that definitely helps you see sort of the blind spots, but it validates you. You, you, you kind of know. Yeah. It gives language to what you already know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really think that if you, you do more of what you love and who, and, and, and do the work that aligns to who you are, 
that you're working from pure joy and you're working from passion, you're working from your strengths and it becomes easy. I, I think equally important in my life was having jobs that weren't aligned to who I was and my strengths and my preferences because that gave me lots of information about, oh, I don't really like that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I mean, I like doing research. I don't like organizing the research. I like doing the research for the ideas, <laughs> not necessarily for, oh, I'm going to write a book now and, or a technical paper, right? Yeah. And so I was wondering, what psychometric has been impactful for you in, in your career? Like, what are some of the few that really taught you something about yourself or really shone, shone a light of self-awareness in an area? Yeah. Um, I think a couple come to, you know, come to mind. Definitely Myers-Briggs. Definitely um, the effective thinking one, because I've mentioned those, you know, those two. Um, if I look back at my McQuaig, which is a, a hiring uh, tool, like a survey report that looks like this, mm -hmm. I think it had some really, like, I took this really early on, like this is in the 80s. And I thought it had some really um, excellent insights. I was reading it the other, you know, the other day about who I am, what are some of the watchouts, um, some of the things that, you know, I could do for development. And, and I, it, I thought that that those were what it told me was things I had I heard throughout my throughout my career. Um, so we mentioned um, that I'm a quick start. I think that's had an impact on me and, and to monitor and watch that. I think Carl Jung was just absolutely he's brilliant. The one thing I really like about what he says about his tool and that is. Um, Everybody has the capacity to change. So you you might have you might label yourself, but, mm -hmm. but don't close your mind off to other possibilities about who you are. I guess that's a very NP thing to say as well. That's a very NP thing to say. <laughs> Keep your box open. There is no box. Boxes. I just I can't do boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because boxes are a man-made creation. <laughs> yeah. I think labels can hurt us. Mm -hmm. That is true. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that when they're taken as a static thing. Carol Dweck, she talks about growth and fixed mindset. We can either use personnel development tools with a growth mindset, which is like you can grow and you can change, or you can you can approach personal development tools with a fixed mindset. Oh, I can't improve because this is just the way I am. Like if you use it to justify your weaknesses, then it's used wrong. But if you use it with open-mindedness, then it's used right. I love Carol Dweck and I, I love the, the growth and fixed mindset. Um, I believe that our thinking is what drives our action. And so that's why I'm really interested as of late, just around how people think what are our thoughts how do we categorize how we you know we we think if especially if you want a different outcome right so don't try to change a behavior change how you think about about the current situation and the behavior will follow yeah i have a friend who says like psychometrics they're useful in in the way that they provide short codes to explain certain behaviors like they aren't to explain your whole soul and your whole life that's 
your individual experience, but they're good shortcuts to talk about something very large in a few words. Can you imagine a world without psychometric testing? Um, can you? <laughs> no, because I don't think then we would have any understanding of why we, we aren't getting along or why we don't communicate the same way or why we problem solve differently or why we make decisions differently. Why, you know, some people are really great strategic thinkers and other people are just really good at kind of, you know, thinking in the moment and getting stuff done. Yeah, it, it's really helpful to have these sort of understandings. And so I had, I want to circle back to one of your comments about boxes and, and not fitting yourself into a box. So that, that actually links back to the EP fixation. So with your Myers-Briggs type, it, you're an extrovert and a perceiver. And they say that the fixation of the EPs is, is freedom. And so, and this is freedom with how you view yourself as well. So restricting that or limiting yourself prematurely is like the antithesis of EPs. So it's like, no, keep, keep that open. Uh, don't, don't let things control you, bro. <laughs> so true. You know, I came up, I, I was teaching with somebody who I would say is more of a, you know, the STJ and a very strong STJ, right? We, we couldn't teach together because it doesn't work. I, 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 I appreciate her, her style. It's just not my style. And you can't have the two, like, I'm all about having dialogue and discussion and keeping things open-ended and having people come to their own aha moments, okay? That's just what I believe. I believe that, you know, learning doesn't happen by me telling you something. Learning happens because you experience it. And all of a sudden, you have this moment of, oh, yeah, I get it. I get how I could have perceived that differently. I get how I could have done that differently. I get how somebody else is a different way, so I need to adjust, right? But her 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 way was, you know, like a checklist, you know, get, you know, getting. And I think both are equally important. That, you know, what that moment gave to me was, I think I need to have a little bit more structure in my in my session. Right. But that the two of us probably shouldn't teach ever again together. It's probably best. <laughs> but if I didn't have this dialogue and this understanding, we might I might we might end up taking it very personally between the two of us. And and we didn't. Yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, I, uh, you know, we just we all need each other and we can there's so much to learn from. From, you know, all of the 16 different um, types that are in Myers, Myers Brick. I think that's the, the gift in all of it. Yeah, that really is the gift in it. <laughs> we all contribute something to the type ecosystem or to the human ecosystem. We're all useful in our own way. Mm -hmm. There's this quote, if you teach a fish to climb a tree, it'll think its whole life that it's stupid. Like if you, if you tell a fish to climb up a tree, it'll go its whole life thinking it's stupid. But if you honor a fish and its ability to swim in water, then we can make the most of, of everyone's talents and strengths. So they don't feel wrong for being different than everyone else. Yeah. You know, Joyce, I felt like that when I was in corporate. I felt um, just not not the whole career, just sort of in the last career where, where I got to a senior level position in an organization. And um, I knew it wasn't right for me because it was drawing on more of my of, of things that weren't my strengths and I always said I always came into work 
I'm right-handed, always having to work left-handed. And eventually it took its toll on me. And so now when I, when I teach, um, I teach a lot of women around empowerment, I always start with, from the point of view of um, your strengths. Like, who are you? What are your strengths? I'll, I'll do MBTI with them. I'll do the strength deployment inventory with them. That's the other one that I have. Uh, we'll do a values exercise. I think it's really important for us to understand who we are. And these tools provide for that understanding. That's so beautiful. When I facilitate the MBTI in organizations, I would first start it off with the left-handed or right-handed exercise. And like you get someone to sign their name with their right hand, and then you try to get them to sign with their left hand. And you kind of teach them that, you know, everyone can do everything, but, you know, with your dominant hand, it'll be easier and it's more automatic. With your non-dominant hand, you have to think a little more. And over a long period of time, if you're forced to use a non-dominant hand, it can actually take a psychological toll on you. And so it's important to know your strengths so you can honor yourself and that you don't have to keep going against yourself because that's fighting an uphill battle when you could be fighting a downhill battle. So it's always like, you know, personal indicators help us take the path of least resistance in, in the terms that it lets us use our strengths so life is easier instead of trying to work in a direction that's really hard for us. So true. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything we didn't cover about psychometrics that you want to talk about? You know, the you know the one thing I, I will say is that I'm not, you know, um, culturally, I think we have to be careful with the cultural aspect to psychometric testing and um, just ensuring that when we're, when we are debriefing on the assessments that we understand the perspective of which somebody is has has answered some of those questions through 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 their own lens, their own cultural, you know, experiences and and principles, etc. So I do take time up front with all of my clients before I do a debrief, and I talk to them for an hour before I even do the debrief. So I make sure I really understand who they are, where they've come from, what some of their beliefs are, what are their values, what has their family experience been, how's that shaped who they are. Yeah, psychometrics, the results are kind of influenced by their up, someone's upbringing, their culture. And so you have to figure that out before giving the whole spiel about their type. Yeah. yeah. And also, you, you don't know from what lens a person is answering the questions from with psychometrics, if they're answering from the at-home version of them or the work version of them they could test out a little differently. So to ensure that results are accurate and true to how they're, they are most of the time, it's to talk to them. And, and so, yeah, with the Myers-Briggs, with the official MBTI, the statistic is that 75% of people get all four letters correct on the test initially. I'm guessing this is the way with other psychometrics too, there's room for error too. So someone might mistype as a as a psychometric that's not them. So that's a great point, Karen, to double check results to see every factor that leads to who someone is. So you make sure their psychometric assessment is correct. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the other thing is, 
I always check in with them. We have our higher coach. We have our inner being. We have our inner knowing. And I know this is very probably NP. I get it. Um, but it is true. And so we are the final authority on really who we who we are, no matter no matter what, what set of circumstances or eyes or experiences or perspective that we're operating from. We we are the final authority. Yeah, yeah. So that meant that's a very important point too. A lot of people outsource their sense of self to something, whether it's an institution or a test or an identity outside of them when they should really be looking inside themselves for, for their self, which is really good advice because I think sometimes people go for the easy answer, which is like, tell me who I am. I'll just <laughs> accept it. And then I'm like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> like you, you know, you best. Like the, so I, I noticed that because it's, it's almost like people trust authority or guidance outside themselves more than yeah. they do themselves. And the ultimate way to finding peace within yourself is really seeing yourself as the final authority for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're so on point with that. I also notice with organizations, there's a little bit of a test worship type of mentality. So I notice when you give a psychometric test, people take the result at face value. So they're like, yeah, I, I am this result on a test. And sometimes the result's not accurate. <laughs> Word of caution, if you are to administer a psychometric in an organization, to not worship the face value result, because there is room for error with any tool, yeah. but also you're the final authority on you and you know you best. I, I totally 100% agree with that. <laughs> and so thank you, Karen, for coming out for bestowing your wisdom on us on how psychometrics can be used in the workplace by describing your own personal experience. It's very inspirational. And I love listening to your stories, just having your vibrant presence on my channel. It, it really means a lot. You're, you're just able to really articulate yourself in a way that makes people want to listen. So thank you so much for coming on. And I'm wondering where can people find you? I am on LinkedIn, so Karen Calder. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, which is uh, coach slash Karen C. It's hard to find an Instagram name that's not already taken. I also have a website, uh, KarenCalder.com. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for your wonderful insights. And you really empower people to bring out their human potential. And I'm glad to meet you and know you. Joyce, it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you and your audience today. And I wish you all, uh, you know, happy holiday to be and to be safe and to be well. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Mm-hmm.